So before we start and get into the details, there's some a very important idea that's being expressed. And that's a very strong fundamental concept which is revealed in the teachings of Torah's Chassidus. In the teachings of Chassidus, there's a very strong, important concept which is a little bit distinct and different than general the understandings of Kabbalah or Soydish of the Torah, the, the deeper secrets of the Torah. To explain this idea very simply, then we'll see how it works in terms of this individual, this particular Sikha. So we know that there's different interpretations of the Torah, there's different levels of interpretation. There's pshat level, pshat level is the literal level. And then there's pshat, there's remez, there's drush, there's another level. And then there's the idea of soid. The soid, the secret, which is generally considered the Kabbalistic tradition, which is the deeper interpretation, is explaining that when you see something this way, the truth is that it's really something different. So for example, let's just explain this in simple language. So let's say for example, we know in the Torah, there's a character, Avram Avinu. There's Abraham, Avram. And then there's his wife that is Sarah. And there's a story of Avram and Sarah, and they have a child, they have Yitzchak, and that's the beginning of the birth of Kali, so the people of Israel. Now the story of Avram and Sarah is a straightforward level. There's a person that's called Avram, and there's a wife. His wife is called Sarah. Comes along desire, for example, in Parshas Chayis Sarah, where it talks about the death of Sarah. Thomas Sarah, and Sarah passes away in Kiras Arba, which is the city of Hebron. And the Zohar says <coughs> that what does it mean, Avram? Avram represents the idea of a neshama, the soul. Sarah represents the idea of a guf, the body. Thomas Sarah and Sarah passes on, which means that the body died, the body dies, which is in the place of Kiris Arba, the place of the four elements. So Kiris Arba means the, the, the space of four, comprised of the four elements, fire, earth, fire, earth, fire, wind, the water. Hechevron, Hechevron comes from the word Hebrew connection, and therefore when the four elements are dispersed and are, and after 120, if the person passes on, so they return back to its source. So what the Zohar is doing, which is, incidentally, there's also a Tshuva that speaks about the Zohar, even though it doesn't mention the Zohar, but it mentions the Chokim, the, the philosophers that gave this interpretation, and then the Tshuva Sarajba, he writes against it, but the idea is that you, you take a story, you say something that says something, and you say what this is really telling us is something diff completely different. That when you talk about Avram, we're talking really about a neshama, we're talking about a soul, we're talking about sorrow, and the particular type of soul is a soul of chesed, of kindness, and that's Avram is the midah of chesed. And then we're talking about sorrow, we're saying that sorrow represents the body. This is one level of interpretation, which is contrast to the literal level of interpretation, that there's an, a literal interpretation of the text, of how to read the Torah, and then comes along the side, the secret of the Torah and reveals a different interpretation, another dimension of interpretation. But what Chassidus, the revealing of Torah's Chassidus, so the teachings of Chassidus came along to show, which is a higher revealing of Yechida, of the highest level of the soul, the highest level of Torah interpretation, which is to reveal that not 
a different, an alternative dimension of interpretation, alternative narrative, instead of speaking about literal Avram, we're talking about a soul, instead of talking about literal sorrow, we're talking about a body, but the interpretation of Chassidus is the Yechidah, which represents the idea of explaining that thing in itself, the physical reality in itself, there's the chitzonius, there's the externality of the object itself, and then there's the panemius, the internality of the thing itself. Everything has both a kli and an oir, has a vessel and a light. So from what chassidus comes to reveal, the highest level of panemius of Torah, the internal aspect of Torah, the internal revelation of Torah, what it's revealing is that what, you, what it appears to you from the chitzonius level, from the external level, it appears to you as one thing, but if you really understand the thing in itself, not as an alternative interpretation of the thing in itself, but if you understand the thing in itself and you get to the depth of the thing in itself, you'll understand something completely different because you'll understand the panemius of that reality, the internality of that reality. So again, in Soida Satoira, in the secrets of the Torah, in general, in the revealing of Kabbalistic tradition, what is, this, what is the Kabbalah revealing? Kabbalah's revealing is that there's one interpretation that's pshat, the literal, then there's another one that's drush and soid, and then pshat, is drush, and then there's soid. And what the soid is doing, the soid, the secret, is revealing an alternative interpretation to the literal interpretation, another interpretation. But what Chassidus came along to reveal, and the Oyer Toyos of Al-Shev and Toyos Chassidus comes to reveal, not the light of this, of this teaching comes to reveal, not an, an alternative interpretation of the literal pshat, the literal meaning of the verse, but to explain that there is the external, sometimes you see the externality of something, and then times, if you can look from the internality, from the inner quality of that object, you'll see it in a completely different perspective. So that's important to understand as a, as a very fundamental understanding of what is the revealing of Torah's chassidus, what, what, did the, what did the light of chassidus come to reveal? And based on this premise, which is a fundamental premise, which we find in all the teachings of, of the teachings of Chassidus, and specifically in the teachings of the Rebbe, which is a culmination of this of this idea of Chassidus, certainly in terms of its malchus, in terms of its completion of this understanding, is the revealing that when you look at something from one perspective, but if you look at it from a deeper level, and what's really going on, you recognize that sometimes it's the opposite of what you think, but not to escape it and to see it from a higher dimension or from another alternative dimension, but to see that in itself, in its root and in its source and it's in its premiums and its internal level is something completely different than what you think. So let's let's start. This is a sikha that's based, sikha uh, on, on um, in Chaylik in, Yitchas, for your basic Gimel so the sikha begins like this, that it's known that every month has a particular quality to the month. And in the particular quality of the month, there's also a particular day in the month that's, that's connected to this particular quality. What is the quality of a month? The quality of a month, and in the aura it brings down, that it's the mazel, that every month has a, a specific zodiac or specific sign even though true Rabbi Yechonon says in Eimazel Yisrael, there's no mazel, but we're talking about uh, in, in its natural environment. Of course, a person could rise above it, but in its natural environment, the way things unfold, there's a calendar, and there is a, there's a structure to the year, and it's, in, in, it's, it's functioning in a sort of a spiral dimensions of time, and within every point of the calendar, it's representing something else. 
it's interesting that in the, the first note, that brings down from the Gemara Rosh Hashanah, but not particularly the Gemara. The Gemara talks about, about Nisan, about the first month of the year, or Tishrei Nivra'olam, the, the, the question when the world was created, in the first month or in the seventh month, and when the, when the flood began. And Rashi over there brings down all the 12 zodiac signs, the 12 mazalas. Um, that's the source. And and Sarachim, there it says from the from the Gemara in Shabbos, the famous Gemara Kufnun Vav, which the Gemara talks about a person is born in a certain day or, or during a certain hour. That if a person is born a certain day, this is one opinion, or if a person is born in a particular hour, that really is sort of the context of his of his existence. And therefore, a person, for example, is born under the, the sign of Mars, either born on the fourth day or that, that hour that Mars is stronger prevalent. In, in the original idea of the Gemara is that this person will have a certain effect um, connected to this energetic effect. Um, but the Gemara over there actually doesn't mention anything about the months as a whole, just either the days or the week. Um, and, but in Sefi Yitzira, which is a very ancient text that also goes back to the times of Chazal, some say that it was even authored by Rabbi Akiva, certainly a very older text, it's mentioned in Gemara in Sanhedrin, there, the, the Sefi Yitzir clearly speaks about this idea of mazalas, which means that every month has a quality, and then there has a particular yomtiv, a particular holiday, that's connected to that month. And the, the, holiday, the yomtiv of that month is very much connected to the quality of the actual month itself. It's sort of that there is a context of the month, which gives rise to a particular content, which would be the yomtiv of that month. So, for example, in Allah, like it brings down, in Allah, there's this idea, there's Yerushalmi that says that other, during the month of other is the story of Purim, but it's really that really it's the month that's completely transformed. And Allah, there are more, even brings it down that it's possible that in certain scenarios you're actually allowed to read the Megillah the entire month. So, Purim, the story of Purim, is a date during the month, but since it's the content of the context, of the entire month, it reflects each other. So sometimes in order to tease out the meaning of what the context of the month is, we can look at the content. We can look at the yamtiv, the, the particular days of the month that are that are noted, and say, if we understand what that day means, that will help us understand exactly what the month means. So same thing also with, with regards to, to Pesach, that it's chodesh l'shagula, in the language of the Medjish, the kavalim chodesh l'shagula, uh, establish a certain month of redemption, of, of freedom. And then during Pesach, we went out during the 15th day, the 14th day of, of Nisan, we left, we left Egypt and we became free. So there is the yomtif, the day, the specific day of the month, reflects what is the quality of that month. So here's the question. On one hand, Tammuz is a month that's called the Tzayim Harivi. When the when Tanakh when it, when it speaks about it in 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 the, in the prophets Zechariah when it talks about the different fasts of the year for the morning of the first temple and the second temple later um, specifically which day in Tammuz is there's a big argument between the Bavli and the Shami and the Rebbe gets into it very much in detail whether it's the ninth day or it's the seventeenth day but it's not so relevant because the the the, the way the Torah in in Tanakh is, the way it's phrased it's called the Tsoim Haravi the fast of the fourth month, which means that really it's connected to the entire month of the year. Um, the, the context of the entire month is connected to this, this idea. Why do we fast? This has to do because the, the, 
the, uh, it, the city was breached, and um, and eventually, uh, three weeks later, there was destru- there was destruction of the of the base of Migdash of the temple in Yerushalayim on, on Tisha B'av. So on one hand, what does Talmud represent? Talmud represents because looking at the month, it's called the Tzoyim the entire month of fasting of mourning, mourning the destruction of the temple. So and and if that's what that's the specialty of that day, uh, that day, I mean that's the specialty of the month, this particular day, which means that this day represents a time, this month represents a time of mourning. Um, that's on one hand, represents a time of destruction. On the other hand, and that would be the opposite of joy. On the other hand, uh, this is on Yud Beis Gimel Tammuz, which is the day of the Chagagula, the day of redemption, that the previous Rebbe, the Rebbe Ragatz. Was, was was sentenced, God forbid, for a death, death sentence, and then he was free to go to, to exile, and then finally he was freed from his imprisonment for spreading Yiddish, spreading Judaism in Soviet Russia, communist Russia. So on the other hand, this is this is a time of gula. It's called a Chag gula, the time, the, the holiday, a yamtiv of redemption, of freedom. And as the previous Rebbe writes, the, the Friedrich actually writes, not only was I redeemed, but uh, but this is a redemption for, for all of Klal Yisrael. Anyone that's called Israel, any of Klal Yisrael, this is a redemption of all of Israel, which means that the Nasi experiences a, a freedom of Geula, which means that this Geula, this this freedom, is connected to the to everybody. So on one hand, we say that Talmud is a time of destruction, <clears throat> and that's represented in the time in the days of, of the fasting, the fast day. Of the of the seventeenth day of the month, and the other hand, we say that this month is also connected to redemption. So these seem to be two opposite ideas. Um, so we have to understand it. So this is this is this is the first question, and we can't say that you know uh, why this has happened so many years later. This is this was revealed. Well, that's really not really a question because the same things could be asked question, which is the question to, to Shivas Patamas. It was only revealed later on in history, which means that certain things become revealed and certainly, like for example, the story of Purim, things become revealed throughout time. So there was a time that, that was revealed as a time of destruction uh, and that was one idea of Tamas. And now we're saying that Tamas has a redemptive quality or a time of gula, a time of redemption. So what does that mean? And... Um, Never continues and says that this is also something we find with regards to the the name of the months themselves. What is the Tamas? What does the name Tamas represent? So Tamas is a very peculiar name of the month. So there's a, there's an argument in the Yerushalmi exactly how the names of the month came about, the, the names, the Hebrew names of the month, because in the Torah itself, names of the month are not actually called by their names; they're called by their number. There's is the first month, second month, third month. That's the way the Torah calls the months of the year in the Torah itself. But later on, Alam Abava from Babylon, when the Jews were living amongst the Babylonians, the Akkadians, and all the, um, the people that, that, that when they were living after the destruction, already before even the destruction of the first temple, uh, the first base of English, so they adapted a lot of these names. What is the name Tammuz? So Tammuz is, is a very strange name because Tammuz is actually a name of an ancient deity, which the Pasuk in Yecheskel speaks about, about the women wailing by Tammuz. Um, and if you look at Rashi there, Rashi explains, 
and there's a long piece also in the Maharavuch and the Rambam, that uh, this is an idol worshiper or an idol worship, uh, an idol itself. But somehow the, the, the month of Tammuz was connected with also with the, uh, with the summer solstice, and it had to do with they would carve out this, this they would hollow out an image um, made out of made a, a, an image, a head, and then they would put lead pellets in, in the place of the eye sockets, and then they would heat it up. And that's connected with the word Tama's also connected with heat. They would, they would heat up this, 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 the, 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 sh the empty head, sh the, the hollowed head, and the pellets would, um, would start to melt, and it would appear as if it was crying. And this causes, caused people to mourn things that were lost. And certainly with the idea of the summer solstice has to do with like the lost hope and lost potential. But it was it was a it was a wailing, crying type of um, idol worship. So this is one on one hand we say that that's that's the name of Talmud connected to that. Um, it was named after that, or connected to this this type of idol. On the other hand, the idea of Talmud, as we just said, Talmud also connected to heat. But can, this can be seen as something a different a different level of heat. It can actually be it can be represented by divine heat, divine passion. That when the when it, when the book of Tehillim talks about that just like the, the sun and its its cover over is like the name of Hashem and Elokim, that the, the Shemesh, the sun itself, represents the name of Hashem. So when there's intensity, and this is the way it's explained in Chassidus, that when there's an intensity of the sun heat, that's a metaphorical idea or an expression of that. There's a, there's an expression of the heat. The divine expression of Hashem's name, which is a means that's a time of kindness and a time of giving, and a time of expansion. So on one hand, you're saying that Talmud represents a time of idol idol worship and particularly destruction. On the other hand, you're saying that Talmud, on the name Talmud, also represents a divine revelation, a higher revelation of divine compassion. So, which one is it? This seems to be uh, this seems to be two opposite ideas. Um, Now, the, the, the road continues that because it's hot, that represents the idea of the heat. So the, the question is, what, what actually is it? So the first answer is, the first possible answer is, and we'll see that why this is not the ultimate answer, because it's based on the premise that we said before. The first possible answer, the Rebbe says, is like this. Since the tachlis from the tzoyim is that it should be, since the, 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 the end result of the entire process of fasting is so it should be transformed, as the Pasek in, in Zacharias as well says, where it talks about the tzoyim and revim, since the ultimate idea is that in the future, the days of fasting will be transformed in the days of holidays, in the days of Yom Tif. And certainly the, the, the ultimate purpose of exile, of redemption, of exile, is for the purpose so eventually we can achieve a redemption. And the reason, the reason the, and, 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 and we, we're supposed to become awakened to the idea of what is the source of the exile is because of our sins, because of our negative actions, we, we disconnected ourselves from the source of life 
and we became estranged from it, and therefore we live in an estranged place, which is a state, which is in a strange, in a strange reality, this estranged reality, which is the idea of exile. So therefore, since we know that eventually this will happen in the future, in the times of the Messianic time, in the times of Mashiach, this will be already transformed. So in order for a person to understand that the reason why they're going through this hardship is that eventually, and this, and this pain and the suffering and, this, and the mourning process is only for eventually they can come to a better place and eventually be, it will be transformed to the days of joy and simcha, days of holiday. And the, the, the deeper you understand the, the exile, the, the greater you understand that the redemption that will come afterwards, similar to the process of Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av, and then following Tisha B'Av is the 15th day of Av, which is the revealing that the process of the exile and the process of the mourning and the, the, process, the process of destruction is to get to a place of, to be simple, the place of joy and happiness and gladness of the heart. So we say that, that the same thing is also with Tammuz, that... And, and then following, I'm sorry, then following Tisha B'Av comes the 15th day of Av, which there was no greater holidays than the 15th day of Av. So which means that the, we say that after Tisha B'Av becomes revealed that the Tachlis, the end result of Tisha B'Av will become the transformation of that idea will eventually become in the Messianic time when it will be transformed. So the similar, the Rebbe says, maybe that's the, that's the, that's these, that's how we can reconcile these two ideas. That on one hand, Tammuz is speaking about destruction, and one hand, Tammuz is talking about redemption. On one hand, Tammuz is talking about some type of ancient pagan practice, and which means the superficial reason for for what Tammuz is called. On the other hand, we say that Tammuz represents a revealing of of Hashem's light, of a higher level of Hashem's light and compassion. So we can say that, the, that these two things are reconciled because that's the ultimate objective of that. And the ultimate objective of the mourning is to get to the, pl- to the place of redemption. The ultimate place of the exile is to become free again. So that could be, that could be the reason why these two things come together. But if that's true, the obvious question is, so then it would make more sense that the redemption, which would be basically Multamas, should appear after the 17th of Thomas, the 12th of 13th of Thomas, the date with that represents the days of a day of redemption. In other words, just like we say with, with Av, that there's Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av, and then a week later, when when the moon becomes revealed, when it becomes a revealing, the 15th day of the month, it becomes revealed that the Tachlis, the end result of all the destruction, all the mourning, was to get to the place of redemption. So therefore you go through the destruction, you mourn the destruction, and that's the idea of experiencing the pain of Tisha B'av and really mourning the destruction of the temple and your inner temple and the, the idea that we're estranged, we're living in personal and collective exile. And then a few days later, we, we, we celebrate in a great jubilee of, of celebration, a time of marriage and a time of reconnecting to say that the, the tachlis of the, of the mourning was to get, eventually will become revealed in the future just like the, day, the days that follow will become revealed in the future in the Messianic time when it will become re- revealed as days of celebration. So if that's the case, then it should be the same thing also with Thomas. Not that your base Thomas, the 12th Thomas, precedes the 17th of Thomas, which is not logical. It should really, first it should be the day of destruction, representing the time of mourning, and then we'll say a few days later, or the next day, say, it'll be a time of redemption. Really, so your base Thomas, the 12th of Thomas, really should have occurred according to this logic, should have been, let's say, 
on the 18th of Tammuz, on the 19th of Tammuz, which would represent this idea that we go through time of, of hardship and we say that the tachlis, the end result of the hardship, is to get the place of redemption. But what sense does it make, does it make to say that it first reveals that there's a redemptive state and then comes the time of, of the morning? That's the first and obvious question. Yeah. So therefore, the Rebbe says it's, it must be as the ino gulish b'tamas is nit in a shpetadik oifim, nor in nor 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 farkert. All of us is al sakdamas gulos. We must say that it's not the redemption that follows the exile, because then in sequence it should come later, but somehow it precedes it. Yeah. So, and the second, the, the second question is, if this is a, this is the the process of going through the hardship, is there to come to a tachlis, to come to an end result, which you become a point of redemption. So then why was this revealing that it's a redemptive idea, that there's the gula, chagagula, the yamtif of redemption, of Yudbezi Gimel Talmud, why did it happen so many years later and, and in history? It should have been revealed already much earlier to, 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 to allow us to understand that it's a process. Yeah. So therefore the Rebbe says like this, Therefore, we must say that Tammuz is really connected to the idea of mourning and fasting. But in that itself, we can say it's two ways. It's connected to fasting, connected to mourning, connected to destruction of the temple. That's correct for the base of That's correct. But here's the panemistic idea. This is the really what it's, what it's saying. There's one way to look at it from a chitzainistic level, from an external level, and say, yeah, it's a time of Puranis. It's a hard time. But then you can look at it from a panemistic level, from a more internal level. Again, this is what the Rebbe is doing, is he's not saying that this negative thing will lead to something that's positive. Because then it's just an alternative interpretation of that experience. But it's saying that the thing in itself, what you think is negative, has actually two perspectives. There's the chitzayinist, the external perspective of it, which seems to be as negative, but if you go into the internal perspective of it, you'll see that it's actually positive. And when would this positivity be revealed? Yes, true, this will be revealed. In the future, it will be revealed that it's positive. That not only is it for the purpose of getting to a place of redemption, but that in itself is an expression of the ultimate love. That the hardship itself, that the exile itself, that the destruction itself is an expression of love. And what's the, what's, the, what's the metaphor of this? Kimoshal, like the Alter Rebbe brings a moshal, in Tan, let's say, for example, a metaphor of a child, a child that, that dirties himself. So the parent, you know, when a, when a child is dirty, if it's not your child, it's going to be very hard for you to actually clean the child. But if you love really the child and you want the child to be clean, so you don't, you, you, this, you, the act of love is to 
cleanse the child. And that is actually a stronger act of love. When you, when you, when you hug your child that's clean, this is obviously also a metaphor. When you hug your child that's just clean and pristine and, and, and doing the right thing, then it's, it's, it's almost like a, a natural love. But when you can hug your child and clean your child and take off the dirt of your child, literally or metaphorically, whatever the child needs, this represents something that's even supernatural, which is beyond the, the, natural, the natural love that you have for your child, the, 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 super, the regular love that you have for your child. So, so the, the panemius, the internal aspect of sometimes a hardship Let's say, for example, let's, let's talk well, another example. There ever brings, for example, a, a parent that um, needs to discipline the child. So, the, let's say a child is playing with a knife. I mean, that's that's obviously a very strange story. But let's say a child is playing with a knife, and the the on one hand, the, the parent is a giving parent, and they they love their child, and they don't want to withhold anything from their child, and they want the child to, to, to play whatever with it, whatever they want to play with. But they know, the parent knows that playing with a knife is dangerous to them. So the parent has to overcome. This is a, it's a it's a it's it's a beautiful lush over here. The built in the That the father has to do, or the parent has to do something against their nature. The nature of a child of a parent is to give. Because you love your child and you want to give them everything they want. But what is if the child is hurting himself with something that they're doing and you have to withhold it from them or take it away from them so you're doing something against your natural instincts to give as a parent but you're but that's the ultimate expression of giving that's the ultimate expression of love so again sometimes a what what appears to be something that is that is negative or a type of withholding or 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 if you want to call it punishment something that's a rebuke the the reason why the parent you know if if you see a child it's not your own child doing something wrong if it doesn't trouble you that much you don't really care and you don't feel like you need to discipline the child but the reason why you feel you need to discipline your your own child is because you love them and because you love them so much you want the ultimate best for them and therefore you you go against your nature the natural instincts of a, of a parent is to give but you go against your nature and to, to rebuke them or to take something away from them knowing that that's the ultimate giving for you. So you break yourself and you bring out, you draw out even a stronger level of love in order to discipline them in a way that's gonna be helpful for them. So this is, what, this is, this is the panemius. This is actually seeing the same, the same point is it, it, when you look at Tishabov. When you look at the the, the, uh, the ninth of Av, or you look at the that the, the, the three weeks or the time of Shivasubatamas, this is what the Rebbe is saying. At one hand, you could say Shivasubatamas leads to redemption, or you can say that the, and it leads to, to a revealing of the of the love, but or you can say on a deeper level, the 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 fact that Hashem cares enough to say I want to take something away from you because I need you to be even more. And I want you to be even stronger and better. That's that's even that, that's going against God's nature. If Teva, the nature of the Creator is to give goodness, and here the goodness is withheld from us because that's the Kaviyachal as if 
Hashem is breaking his nature, Kaviyachal, of course, as if, breaking his nature because of his love, and he's taking away from us, and he took away from us the base of Mikdash and destroyed the base of Mikdash, destroyed the temple, was only because of the love. So Bichitsaini is an external level, it's a time. It appears to be a time of fasting and a time of mourning. But not that only that the fasting brings to a place of redemption and a place that's revealed of love. The, 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 the fasting itself, the time of the fasting itself, that in itself is, a time, is the highest level of redemption. In the gvura, in the, in the restriction, that's the, that's the place where, where it's, it's being revealed. And this is why Everybody says this is a, uh, this is that what the Torah writes. The Torah brings down that in in the letters of Atbash, if you, which means that if Atbash is the interchangeable letters, Aleph, the first letter of the Aleph base, interchanges with the last letter, which is Tuf, and Beis interchanges with Shin. So if you take the, if you take the, the days of Pesach. So you, what you can do also is you, if you want to know what the day of the week is. Of the of the yom the of the of the coming year, you do you can do atbash, which means atbash would be that the day aleph, the first day of which represents the day of we left we left Egypt, day of freedom, is the same day as Tuf, which is Tishabov, the same day of the week. So if Pesach falls out, the first day of Pesach, the night of the seder falls out on Sunday night, then then Tishabov will be on Sunday night, and the same thing also. With Bays, it's Shvuas, and then Gimel is Rosh Shara. That's the way it works. So the first day corresponds. So what, what is the Oymek? What is the depth of this thing? On one hand, you're saying that Tishabov is the day of destruction, time of the destru destruction of Beis HaMikdash. And what day in the week does it fall out? And what is it connected to? The day of redemption. The day of redemption, which is the day of, of Pesach going out of Egypt. Why? Because in the Oymek, in the depth of that, what it's saying is, that sometimes the highest level of redemption, the highest expression of love, is not a love that's revealed as open love, but it's actually a love that the, the parent breaks themselves to, to, to do something that seems to be the opposite of what, what their natural instincts are, or, or their natural expression of love is, because they truly love them. And they say, I'm gonna do something because I want you really to be who you, become, who you can become, and the only way for me to do that is to do something that seems to be very painful for me, because I have to take something away from you. That's the ultimate idea. The, the, the love is expressed in, in the rebuke. And that's, that's the reason why Thomas has these both, both elements. On one hand, you say it's a time of destruction and a time of mourning. On the other hand, we say that Thomas is a time of the greatest revealing of Hashem's chesed. The time is, it's it's the, the intensity of the Shemesh, intensity of the sun represents the intensity of Hashem's revelation of kindness because it's, both, it's one and the same. It's one and the same. And the Rebbe says this is why this was revealed, particularly in this time period, that since we're now already in the time of Temechaim Zach, already in the process of, of the sixth day of creation, parallel to the sixth day of creation, which is going to enter into Shabbos, so there's an idea of Temechaim, the Temeh, that we have to, that we taste the food of Shabbos, that we have already made a glimmer of the world to come, there's already a spark of the future already in the present. So therefore, that's why this idea of Tammuz, that it's being revealed as a time of Geula, of a time of redemption, is particularly revealed in this later time period in, in Jewish history. 
and that, that was revealed in, in actually the story, Rebbe gets a little bit into the story actually of, of Tammuz, of the story of the previous Rebbe, that he, was, he was, uh, that he was going to be exiled. First he was going to be, God forbid, killed, and he was going to be exiled, and it was transformed, it was revealed that everything we, that people at that period of time that lived through this experience thought that it's something that's, that it got, that got worse and it's, and it's terrible, turned out to be actually the greatest kindness. So that's the, that's the yisnar, that's the greatness of the light that comes particularly from the place of the darkness. In other words, there's one way to say, and again, going back to this original idea, there's one way to say that this, this is a means to an end, that the, the, the hardship and the mourning and the destruction is a means to get to a place of a better end, of a place of redemption. But that was, what does chesiz reveal? Chesiz reveals something even deeper. That not that it's only just a means to an end, but it's an end in itself. What does an end in itself mean? That to take thing in itself, what you think is mourning and hardship and difficulty, and you're going through a challenge and you feel like Hashem left me and, it, and it's hard for me, and I, I, my own personal, based on making my own personal temple is destroyed, and I feel a place of destruction, I feel a place of, a place of pain. What do we say? This is actually the highest level of moid. This is the time of, of encounter. Moid is... Moed is oil. Moed means an encounter, a time of Moed, a place of Hashem. We're encountering God. We're encountering our Kaddish Baruch Hu. But sometimes we encounter our Kaddish Baruch Hu in a place of revealed goodness. In a place of revealed goodness, like, like the going out of Mitzrayim, the going out of Egypt. We're stuck in Egypt, then we're revealed goodness. That's one, type of, that's one type of encounter. But there's even a deeper encounter. The deeper encounter is when a parent... When, when a child is doing what the, chi- what the child has to be doing and the parent is showing them love, that's one type of love. And that's easy love, that's, that's calm love, that's a, a, a nice love, and it's, and it's apparently that it's love. But then there's a higher level of love. The higher level of love is the pain that the parent feels, that they have to overcome their natural instincts to give, to overcome that in order to help the child truly. In order to truly help the child grow and become what they want, have to become, and to grow on their own two feet, and to be really something that's at, that that can end up being a, a beautiful, a beautiful child that can ex- emote and express kindness in this world, and be and be an exemplary person, and 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 a balmidas, and and a balavoidas, someone that really reaches a high a high level of, of really being. Sometimes the parent actually has to painfully withhold from them in order for the child to become actually who they can become. And this is what this is what this is what the story of Talmud is. That on one hand, Thomas is telling us that it's a time of destruction, that it's a time of mourning. But that's from the level of chitzonis, that's the external level. From the level of panemius, from the internal level, we have to re- recognize that in that place itself, the light is from the place of the darkness, because in the place of the darkness, there's even a stronger level of love. And this is, this is, this is, Rebbe brings us, you know, very practical, that sometimes a person is going through hardship, and suffering, and it's very painful. And and on one hand, they can say, okay, the, the, you know, the pain is not is not going to last, and eventually we transform, and Hashem came enough to be, and eventually come to understanding that it was all for the good. Okay, but the person's still in pain. But now a person feels himself in a very deep and dark exile, and so therefore a person has yish, a person gives up. So what is the answer to this? This is the This is what the Rabbi said. This is the from this. What do we have to learn from this? That Dafka, in this time, right before Mashiach, the time of Ikev's Mashiach, in the, in the foothills of Mashiach, is revealed the Toika for Ava, is revealed his love. 
that there's a, there's a, there's a, there's an indication that the love is already present. That in the depth of exile, in the depth of mourning, we actually see that there's already a gula, already a redemption in Yubayi's Tamuz. We see already that the process of redemption, because eventually this redemption will be revealed in its full level. <coughs> now that we're still still in exile, so we still have to practice availus. Of course, we have to practice under the laws of mourning. But according to the laws of Torah, we have to find ways to be joyful, even in these times of pain, because we know that really what's really happening now is a tremendous amount of love. So therefore, to make siyumim, to make to, to finish different tracts of Gemara, so we can we can eat meat during the nine days, etc., to learn the laws of Hilchas Beis Abchira, the laws of the building of the Beis Hamikdash, and through that, they'll become thus the Anhaga bring through this practice of connecting to the to the joy and to the love and to the light and to the happiness. In the exile, in the suffering, in the in the hardship, in the pain, to recognize that Hashem is present there, and Hashem is there with a tremendous amount of love, this becomes, this becomes, this helps this this to reveal the pinimius of the Beit Hamsar and the internal reality of what is really occurring during these three weeks, which is which will be revealed ultimately in the future of it will be transformed with sasul and simcha. Then the Rebbe has a little last aura in the, the sicha is, is fascinating, which says. That through revealing that, which means through a personal understanding, what is revealing that? Through a person living this way, living through the hardships of life, God forbid, a person going through any hardships, whether it's individually, collectively, collectively, we're living in, in exile, feeling the pain that there is no base of being dash, and we're not in the place, in the place that we're able to serve Hashem at the highest level, in a place that we're still feeling separated and feel, feeling dejected and feel still, still, still feeling in a place that we're in estrangement. And in that place, we can recognize that Hashem's presence is stronger there, and Hashem's love is even stronger there, and to recognize that, and therefore to express some type of joy in that experience as much as we are allowed to during this experience. This will become revealed that we don't have to go through any more hardships itself. That this in itself, by connecting to the joy and the light and the and the panemius, the internality of what's really experiencing we're experiencing now, we connect to the essence of Hashem, and therefore we connect to the essence of Hashem. Hashem is the Koyach. Hashem is the possibility of all possibilities, and therefore Hashem can actually connect to us and make us more aligned without actually having to go through any hardships. So this is like part, you know, the opposite of everything we're just saying, but it's on a very deep level, this is the combination of everything, everything that he's saying. That the ultimate idea is. That we're, the, the, the idea is basically is that we're going through a hardship and recognize that Hashem's presence is in the experience. And there's Hashem's love in the experience. Because Hashem goes against his nature, in order to help us to grow. As the, the parable is of a parent overcoming their natural instincts to give in order to refrain, them, to refrain or to discipline a child in order for the child to become who they really want to become. So in our world, the only way sometimes we can reach that place in helping our child is through discipline and through withholding. We just have to have the wisdom to understand when is the time to actually give in a revealed way and when is the time to actually conceal our revealing of, their, of, our, of our giving, even though ultimately it's the ultimate giving. But on a chitzayin, it's on an external level to appear as if we're not withholding. But Hashem, so we, and we, when we draw a parallel to that in our relationship with God, with Hashem, but on a very deep level, on the ultimate level, Hashem is a koyachal. 
Hashem is, is the possibility of all possibilities. So therefore, in our world, in order to discipline, in order to allow the child to grow co correctly, we sometimes have to withhold in order for them to become. <coughs> so the withholding is, the, the pnimius of the withholding is love. The chitzonius of the withholding, the externality of the withholding seems to be din, a type of judgment. And that's what we, we draw a parallel, parallel to that in terms of our relationship to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Hashem. But Hashem is a kol yachol, so therefore Hashem can actually do it even differently. Hashem can actually make us become who we need to become and to become realigned and unestranged and to live in a perfect state of redemption even without actually going through any of the hardships. So by recognizing that, by recognizing connecting to the love that's in the experience of the hardship, we connect with the essence of Hashem. Therefore, because we're connected to Hashem, the, the, the hardship itself disappears. Not only revealed that, there's, there's the, that not only is it revealed that in the panemius of the hardship and the inside and the internality of this hardship is actually goodness, it actually becomes actually good even our, in, in, our, in our reality. And this is a paradoxical statement that we have to get to that place of living that way to connect with the light, connect with love, and then the hardship actually disappears and we actually experience redemption fully in our lives, in our collective life.